egotistical, so unpredictable Here on the SNL Network Yes, so welcome on in everybody to the Saturday Night Network here for another patron feedback show this week on a Wednesday, breaking everything down from the Travis Kelsey and Kelsey Ballerini episode of Saturday Night Live and looking forward to the Jenna Ortega and the 1975 episode of SNL. My name is John from the SNN, so pumped to be with you on this Wednesday as we start to answer your questions about the week with another great patron and let me bring him in right now give it up for eric godding eric how you doing hey john i hope you're having a great wednesday i hope you're having a great international women's day here today on uh the saturday night network of course <laughs> lots of good jenna talk for later i'm sure Exactly. Happy International Women's Day to all the women of SNL, all the women in our community, 100%. But yes, uh, we're, you know, it's, we're here on a Wednesday. We're going to be talking about Wednesday in a little bit because oh, yeah, Wednesday perfect. Adams is, is hosting the show this week. And uh, it'll be a lot of fun to do that. There's a great promo today, by the way, that was put out between Please Don't Destroy and Wednesday herself, Jenna Ortega. So make sure to go check that out if you haven't done that yet. But Eric, it's been a little bit since we got to hear from you. So would love to catch up on your thoughts on SNL this season. How are you feeling about the show? Yeah, I've, uh, I've been feeling pretty hot on the show. I think we had a great streak there. Um, contrary to others, I actually really enjoyed the Woody Harrelson episode. So I, I think that I know. I still <laughs> Explain. Uh, um, so I watched it under kind of odd circumstances. Usually I watch it live. I watch Were it you tortured? <laughs> Were you under uh, duress? I'm, just, uh, I'm a masochist, I guess. But uh, no, 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 no. So. I thought that every single sketch um, had like an interesting premise or an interesting way that the sketch was kind of um, like blocked either from a prop perspective or like uh, just the scenery of the sketch and all like a lot of the sketches just revolved around like one specific thing. And um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but even when it doesn't work, um, I always enjoy it. I think it like, shows the high effort of the whole crew of the show. Um, sure. And in, in the case of Woody, I think it worked most of the time. Um, I could I can name like a, a good centerpiece of every one of the sketches in, in that episode. Yeah, I will say like objectively, I don't think the Woody Harrelson episode is the worst episode that we've covered here on the podcast in two and a half years. I just think, I, I forget if I said this on the show or off the show to somebody, I think it was the most disappointing episode mm. that I've had. Just like the expectations were so it, high. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that like is part of it. I do have to wonder like over time if we like uh you know propel forward into another decade and then we look look back on like what this episode was like if it was like really that bad because maybe maybe we were all just like blinded by the excitement of having Woody on the show, but um very interesting thoughts, Eric. I don't think so. I mean, I think that uh we move forward, we remember a couple of the good sketches. We'll probably remember the gym sketch um yeah and uh maybe you know how woody's five-timer uh stuff was was um you know done on the show but for sure well i know you're a data guy so you have that like inner mike murray in you where you're very <laughs> much like looking at things the way that you said uh as like you know looking at it like a sport almost where uh you know how the blocking go where they put people in sketches and uh, it's a different perspective to look at the show and I really love examining it that way a lot of the times but you know I'm curious how you felt about this week with Travis Kelsey and Kelsey Ballerini yeah uh, this week was good too um 
I have to say, I think it's uh, one of the episodes where I've felt the largest difference between the first and the second half, um, where the first half was like just so much stronger than the second half. Um, I think every episode or every every sketch in the first half of the episode was better than every sketch in the second half of the episode. And usually it's the reverse for me um, if if there is such a dichotomy. So um, from from that angle, it's sort of interesting. I also think Travis did a lot better in the first half. I think there were more line flubs in the second half. Um, and that definitely hurt it a little bit. But overall, it was still it was still a good episode. And, you know, I still love to see the diversity of the, the types of performers they bring on. So, yeah, I agree. I think that this episode was literally the blueprint of what you would want for Saturday Night Live, or especially when you have a host that is not you know classically trained to be on the show, which is like put your best material up top, give Travis, you know, the best uh, roles to succeed in, which I believe we all felt that he did. And then in the back half, tries things that are experimental. And I think the hope was, was that the back half of the show would have been really strong. I don't think it was. I totally agree with you, Eric. But at least they were trying stuff. Like they tried the weird Chloe character. They tried the weird Bowen character. And then, of course, they brought back the J.A.J. and Ego um, cut sketch where they're both singing. So I think they were trying different things. Um, and ultimately, it didn't work as well. Had it worked I do believe this would have been one of the better athlete hosted episodes in the history of the show. Uh, yeah, I agree. And actually, I, I forgot that um, I forgot the JAJ Ego sketch was second half. I think that one was great. Um, so yeah. I take it back. But um, yeah, I agree. It could have been up there. Well, any other overall thoughts on the season or the episode before we get into some questions from this week from the listeners? Um, I, I think they've done a great job with the hosts this first half of this or the the first half of the year, second half of the season. Um, and, you know, I'm excited for Jenna. Uh, we'll talk about that later, but um, yeah, I just, I just think that the, the picking has been awesome. I totally agree. I, th I think they're in a zone right now where whatever they're doing seems to be working. Uh, it's, you know, I can't wait to see what we're going to get for the final six episodes of the season. Hopefully we'll have some more information on that coming up later in the week, if not in a couple weeks. But, um, you know, starting with Jenna Ortega right now, I mean, that is a big, big name that we will start to preview as we get to the end of today's podcast. But let's start with our first uh, question that we have here from a listener. And this one comes in from at unreal underscore ed under underscore wood on instagram they want to know eric does garrett from tinder seem like an attempt at a recurring sketch so uh this is bowen's character in the sketch we just talked about the hinge match sketch does this seem like an attempt at a recurring character um i don't think that they'll try to make it recurring i could I could see something like this working. I mean, I, this was Garrett from Hinge, not Garrett from Tinder, but uh, there could be a move here. That is here. true, yes. <laughs> there, there could be a move here where, you know, Garrett jumps from app to app and maybe next time he's Garrett from Tinder and he acts in a different way. Um, the other opportunity I, I could see the character working is if Garrett from Hinge uh, goes on a date with Lisa from Temecula. I think that could bring some uh, some great chaos to the table um but no i don't think they're gonna try to make this one recurring i don't i don't think there's enough um 
diversity and what they could really do there beyond, you know, this guy was stood up. Now he's going to break into someone's house. Um, yeah, that is, uh, that's for sure. I mean, I do really, you know, this is sort of my, my take on this in which we spoke about this a little bit on the round table on Monday, which is just that I felt there was elements here of a really interesting Bowen character, because if you think about like all the stuff that Bowen's done on the show, he's always been playing like, um, I want to, you know, uh, describe this carefully, which is like, he's always been playing like really like, uh, eccentric, uh, you know, like, uh, characters with like a lot of passion in their voices you know like really like uh whether it's you know taking over uh immaterial objects and then becoming uh become like bringing them to life or when he's in sketches he's sort of like the life of the party in a lot of these sketches and these roles but in this particular sketch uh he was playing an interesting character which is like kind of evil potentially <laughs> has you know like it could be a, a murderer or a serial killer and i don't think we've ever seen bowen playing like a quote unquote bad guy. And I think that the problem with this character is that they blended the lines between a guy who's like a sicko versus a guy who's just plain weird and kind of a creep. And I think if they dropped like all the weird, like want to be a third sexual stuff and like him coming in and like, you know, on the date and he was really just like a guy who wanted to kill them. I think that was probably more interesting. Yeah, I could see a sketch where where maybe he comes off like he bursts into the house and he comes off as attractive, and you know maybe then he goes and does his mirror stuff. But maybe he makes Heidi regret um, her decision to you know leave them uh, at the restaurant for for Travis. But yeah, I agree. I, I think the I actually would go the other way. I I did not need the the don't kill them part of the sketch. I, I really? Think that, yeah. I think the other part, uh, I, I don't know. I just thought I, it, it was like a line too far for me, not in terms of sensitivity, just in terms of, you know, just going in a different direction with it. Can I also say like, I'm not a like true crime person at all. Like I don't love um, watching murder shows. I know a lot of people do, but I think like on SNL, there's like so much to play with when it comes to that genre of comedy. And I don't think they in like modern times that they tackle it that much. I feel like in previous eras of the show, they were more likely to like do that type of thing. But you know, like whether it's like a murder mystery or like a guy who's like, you know, on a date, but secretly like wants to kill somebody. Like, I think like those are just like fun premises to play with. And I think that it would be a great way to stretch this cast in different directions. And it just felt like so close there with Bowen. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that you really prefer the other part of the sketch. I love that. I, Eric, I love this because I love that you think of things differently than I do. And it creates for great fodder. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else on this sketch you want to talk about or you want to get to our next question? Yeah, let's 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 keep moving. Okay, let's go to this next one that comes in from our friend Curly Joe. Curly asks, is it more special to wait to use masculine type roles for when you have a masculine host like Travis or MBJ? Or would it work would it work better to have an alpha male in the cast and maybe save it for a different type of host? What do you think of that? Um, I think the cast needs the alpha male. I really do love the surprise of having an alpha male host um, that they can sort of use in those ways. But the issue 
we had with Travis and I think we sort of had with, with Michael B. Jordan was they're not sketch comedians. So they don't necessarily know how to act and play that, that alpha male the same way that, you know, Jason Sudeikis or Dan Aykroyd could do. So um, if we want to have an alpha on the cast, and I think that we, I think it's missing, and I think it probably needs to come from the cast itself. For sure. And like, look, I'm not a, a Shane Gillis guy, but <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's funny to think about in this alternate universe where he is on the show, where he comes in, he was hired at the same time as Chloe and Bowen. So had he succeeded on the show, he would be like one of the main repertory players right now. And he is like that guy in terms of like a, you know, putting him in a box as to what he could be in these sketches. And it's something that they never like found a replacement for when they ultimately decided not to keep him on the show after they hired him. So it's an interesting thought experiment as to like the directions they went in with casting afterwards. And I do wonder if it's something, it's something clearly that we've noticed that SNL um, may be perhaps missing in some of their sketches, but I wonder if it's something that casting notices as, as well. And I think that's probably more of a, like a July conversation, but yeah. for now in 48, I think they did a great job with a lot of their casting, just perhaps we need somebody with the the swagger to be able to pull off some of the things that some of these hosts are bringing in. Yeah. I think Chris could do it too. Chris Red could do it too. Um, you know, he was, he was often more of the befuddled alpha in the same way that Beck was. Um, mm-hmm. But, and, and I don't know how quick the, the Chris Red, you know, turnaround was there where they had to realize that they needed to sort of fill his role um uh this was this chris stuff went down like literally like the week before the season started so yeah so it was so they they couldn't even really do much about that so yeah that that might have been part of it too i don't know if they would have tried harder to fill the role had they not had they known in advance they wouldn't have chris yeah that that is interesting for sure and i and i think um I think it was Ellis maybe I was talking to uh, who works with us and he was saying like, oh man, this season could have been so great if we had Chris Red, like all of these different roles that he was <laughs> playing there. Just, that. Yeah, it's still like <laughs> one of the greatest like sliding door moments in the history of Saturday Night Live. Like if he had stayed on the show this year, he I think he would be crushing it. Yeah. Um, but anyways, <laughs> it is what it is. But to answer uh, your question more directly, Curly, uh, when you asked, is it more special to wait to use the masculine type roles for a masculine host or would it work better to have an alpha male in the cast? Um, I think it's probably like if we're talking about like defining the word special, I think it's probably more special anytime you bring in a host that fills a role that the cast can't normally do. So like this week in the PDD short, they brought in like an 80 year old woman. Like we never get an 80 year old woman as a uh, cast member on the show. So like she fills a role that is like special in a sketch you don't normally get to see. And I think it's the same here, which is like, um, you know, when hosts come in, like Michael B. Jordan with uh, where he was in that State Farm sketch, like, you know, that was that was fun. I mean, that was the type of thing that like we all were praising that week. So for me, I think it's more special when a host does it. I But I still would say the archetype is missing from the cast a little bit. Yeah, I think the MBJ um, State Farm is a, is a great point. Um, that's like one of those things where we haven't seen this guy for a while. We haven't seen this type of guy for a while. And the fact that he just, you know, appeared is 
I think made that sketch even better. So I think that's a, a, a good counter argument to what I said. Yeah, for sure. All right, next question that comes in from uh, Jeremy Boulard. Jeremy says, when is it time to finally talk about Molly? Aristotle got so much coverage on the podcast last year for his lack of screen time. All right, Jeremy. Well, I can start with this one, Eric. I mean, thank you for calling us out. I mean, I, I don't feel like we probably have covered Molly in the same way that we covered Aristotle last year. To me, it sort of felt more obvious last year in the discrepancy from JAJ to Sarah to Aristotle. I really felt like there was like a huge discrepancy there where you just had like one rookie who was non-existent on the show pretty much and two that were clearly uh, career era defining SNL cast members that came in. Whereas I don't know that the discrepancy between Molly and and the other three rookies this year is as large. So that's why I don't necessarily feel that there is as noticeable of a, you know, difference there where we would constantly every week being like, where the hell is Molly? Though I do agree, we could really use having Molly on the show more. And I wish they would be on the show more. So Eric, any thoughts on this? Because I know you're a listener of the podcast. Do you feel like we don't cover Molly enough? Um, I don't think so. And I agree that there's it, it not that discrepancy there. I think part of it also with regards to Aristotle is he sort of came out of the gate with two really strong performances and live, like live performances, live characters, um, you know, things that we don't see as often, especially with newer players. And then he was just radio silence the rest of the season. Whereas Molly... Uh, their, uh, you know, major starring roles during the season have been during pre-tapes or they've been paired up with other cast members um, for the most part. Um, they did have the nun sketch, which I, I think I like a lot more than other people, but that was a great role for them. Um, but there's enough sort of going for them that I don't think that I'm as worried about them as I was about Aristotle at this point in the season last year. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think that, you know, it would be very disappointing not to have a showcase from Molly at some point the rest of the season, especially because I think that probably the biggest thing I would take away is like, let, let's say we don't see Molly in any significant roles between now and the end of the season. I think my biggest takeaway and disappointment in their season would be that we really started off the year by putting, you know, uh, Michael Longfellow, Devin and Marcelo in like showcase roles on weekend update to get to do some stand up. They've all played significant characters in sketches. I don't think as far as like I said, I don't think the difference between them and Molly is as significant, but it is something. And I would hope that in these last seven episodes, we would get at least one opportunity to really have Molly shine to see what they could bring to the show. Because I don't feel like up until now, I have a great, um, you know, ability to analyze Molly's capability to be on SNL. You know, I think that they've done a couple of really interesting things. I think the nun sketch uh, probably didn't appeal to me as much as it did to you, Eric. But I think that they were 
decent in it. And I think that really the last you know thing that I really love from Molly was in the Brendan Gleeson episode, which was the new cast member pre-tape sketch. So it's been a long time and I hope that they get another opportunity. Yeah, I, I think it's a telling sign if they don't get a weekend update by the end of the season. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, to answer your question, Jeremy, uh, we'll continue to talk about it because they are a cast member on the show, but we'll talk about it when there is a story to talk about there. I, I just don't think that there's enough right now to be able to have a significant conversation beyond the one that Eric and I just have, which is just that uh, it's a little bit disappointing. We want to see more from them, and hopefully they will eventually integrate into the show a lot more. Yep. All right. Uh, buckle up. We got a big one, a big question coming in here from Ken George Jones, who is with us in the chat tonight. All right, Eric, you ready for this one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Ken asks uh, or says, I have felt disconnected from much of this season and the update commentary with Punky and Mikey, which had such a warmth to it, helped me see why. So many desk pieces and sketches from Heidi, Bowen, Chloe, and to a lesser degree, Ego and Keenan this season have felt cold, hollow, and interchangeable to me. I feel like the Mikey and Punky piece, or even sketches like Headshots in Brennan Gleeson's episode, or the Mother sketch in the Pedro Pascal episode, provide more of a balance which I am missing. My question sorry to take this long to get to it, says Ken, uh, is, are these less wacky type pieces not as likely to get on because they are less likely to go viral like Lisa from Temecula? Or is it just down to preferences from the writer's room? Is the departure of Billy Domino, whom I felt wrote different sketches like Kitchen Staff or Fiction Workshop, to what we get so often, um, a sign of how the current writing room feels about these type of pieces? All right, so long question here from Ken, and let's sort of parse through it with you know him talking about uh, the different types of pieces we get to see on the show, and if there's a disconnect between what we get to see from uh, Punky and Mikey this week versus other types of sketches on the show. Yeah, um, so maybe we should start with the uh, the the viral part of it. That that maybe um, you know the the I guess they're more slice of life. Are, are sort of the sketches that that Ken is after versus the uh, the the wackier sketches. I I do think that the some of the wacky sketches at least um, you know do play a lot better in terms of um, in, in terms of going viral. I, the most popular sketches on YouTube at least are usually among the wackier ones. Um, least from Temecula, obviously, and then um, also from Pedro Pascal the waking up sketch which is you know nothing but wacky so um i I do think that those are playing better um i'm curious in past seasons what we could think about that are similar to what we saw with mikey and punky and if there's really been an evolution in sort of that grounded, um, who this is who this cast member is, and this is you know who supports them versus these are our characters that we're presenting um, this week. Like, has there actually been an evolution? Because you know, until I read that question, I hadn't even considered that um, that had been true. Um, you know. 
John, I think you have a lot of better historic context of the show than I do. So I don't know what your thoughts are there. Yeah, look, I, I think it's a difficult question to answer, honestly. And, um, you know, because I, I find like every era of the show develops in its own way. And I think when you start to put a cast together, um, you start to see tendencies that you start to pick up. What's interesting here, um, you know, to answer Ken directly and sort of how I interpreted the question is, you know, season 48 to me is a lot different than season 47. Like, I think we were talking about having Cecily around for so long made it feel not so different, but it, to me, it does feel a lot different. I feel like the general like tone of the, um, of the episodes feels different. I think, you know, I used to joke about how like you can watch the first five seasons of Saturday Night Live and then turn on like any other season of the show and be like, these are two completely different shows. And I'm not saying that season 47 is completely different from 48, but it feels a lot different. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And the way that I look at it, Ken, is like, I'm sort of like, okay, we're starting from scratch now, is, you know, especially after Cecily leaving. And what we had was like a really good start to um, a run that probably we didn't have in many years, which was like them trying to figure out, okay, how to integrate these new cast members, how to figure out what the writers and stuff like that. And there's going to be bumps along the way, which I feel like we did have with the Woody episode. But for me, I think this is season 48 is a year of like trying to figure out what we have here with this new cast, because it's been literally like 20 years since they've had this much turnover in the show. And I think like the, sh the producers, the cast, the writers like needs the time to work with each other to figure out what the show is going to look like in the next few years. So I think it's a matter of like, like I see the difference between like a headshots and a punky Mikey's uh, update piece versus some of the other stuff we're getting. But I do think when it comes to our analysis as a fan community, we were praising the same things that you like Ken which is like, we love that headshot sketch. We were talking on the Hot Take Show and the Roundtable about like how we loved what we got to see from Punky and Mikey. And I think that what's important here is that like we as a community continue to elevate the stuff we want to see from the new era of the show while they're still taking time to figure out how to create the tone for this era and perhaps, you know, push down the stuff that's not exactly what we want to see from the show moving forward. So I think part of the worry if I, you know, answer this, uh, my my answer is a little bit long winded, but my part of my worry, you are right, is the Lisa from Temecula stuff is going to, you know, be the cream that rises to the top. But I think in our community, at least we're sort of focused on, um, you know, the things that are different and warmer. Does that make sense? That makes sense to me. And um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think the prime example of what they've done well, that goes along with what Ken and the rest of us like about the show is, um, stuff that they've done with Mikey this season. I didn't have a good grasp of, you know, who Mikey really was as a, as a person and until this season. And they've featured Mikey day as Mikey day, at least three times that I can think of, um, you know, this update piece, the one, uh, with the Heidi character where she kept grabbing at his crotch and then the white, uh, white he or no black heaven, I guess it was the black heaven sketch. Um, and I've just really enjoyed seeing Mikey, you know, playing the sort of put upon uh, cast member in two of those sketches and then, you know, getting to uh, sort of be on top in, in this sketch. Um, so those are the things that, that I love and, and can I understand why, why those are the things that you would love to. 
Well, I think like, you know, one of the great things about this Mikey and Punky piece is you got to see that Punky and Mikey like have this sort of like love for each other that you may not have ever known that existed. Like it was so endearing to hear from Mikey Day that Punky walks around the office doing this stuff and everybody's like in on the joke about being like, okay, this is who Punky is. Because before this, you know, if you're just watching SNL and you're not like reading articles or going on Instagram or listening to podcasts with people who may or may not have spoken to Punky, like all you know is like Punky did a couple things on the show every now and then she appears as herself, but you don't really know her that well. And in this case, we got like one of the veterans of the cast to basically say like, Punky is one of us. And I think when you talk about warmth, that is the description of warmth, which is like a veteran cast member bringing in one of the still newer players on the show and saying like you're a part of the team and you're going to be a part of this team for a long time and now that we start to get to know punky better we can see what she can do in these sketches or on update or wherever it is and continue to stretch her because we get to know her personality better so i love that and i i hope they continue to do things like this because it's the brilliance of saturday night live which is that yes this is a sketch comedy show but these are real people that we all want to see perform on the show and i think that's fun yeah absolutely yeah, it builds cred for her, you know, in the rest of the sketches that that she can put on so that she can maybe put on some bolder stuff that might not have made it otherwise, I think, for the audience. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, Ken, I hope we <laughs> hope we did you justice with your question. And I hope you continue to enjoy the show because I feel uh, this new era has a lot of potential and it's going to continue to build upon itself. So uh, just just give it some patience. I think we can uh, we sometimes we live into the week in the week to week, but I think this season has a lot going for it. All right, let's take this next question from James Matthew Andrews, who joined us on our Patreon feedback show last week. Uh, James Matthew Andrews asks, any updates on the film unit and whether they are still hoping for a fair contract? Seems like it's been a while since we've heard anything. Well, uh, I can tell you they definitely are still hoping for a fair contract, but uh, I did reach out to uh, somebody in the film unit a little while ago, and I was like, hey, any updates? And basically what I was told was, um, we can't talk about it anymore because we're currently in negotiations which is a good thing, right? You know, NBC doesn't like it when people, uh, you know, sort of get into the, their business. I'm sure they didn't love that all this stuff went public, but it was it was necessary to be able to get a seat at the table. And to my understanding, the film unit is doing their best right now to uh, get a fair deal. So I believe they are working towards that. That's at least what I understand. Got anything, Eric? I have nothing to add. I, I know nothing about this. So I mean, other okay. than what I've heard. So yeah, for sure. I, I would say I doubt we hear it. Considering things are probably progressing. I doubt we hear anything about it before the end of the season. And sometime like in the off season, we're like someone will follow up with, on this from one of the online publications, um, one of our friends, you know, whether it's EW or, uh, or deadline or whatever it is. And they'll probably follow up and say, you know, film unit worked out, whatever it is with NBC, and then we'll be all happy heading into 49. So um, they put in you know, amazing work. Hopefully it works out for them. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's a fun question from Rachel Wood, who wrote in and Rachel wanted to know, Eric, did you watch Chris Rock's live Netflix special on <laughs> Saturday? And what do you think about it? Uh, I did. Obviously, I didn't watch it on Saturday, but I, I did listen to it um, uh, a day or so ago. And uh, yeah, you know, I liked it. I haven't heard a whole lot of Chris Rock's other uh, material. So it seemed like he was a uh, you know, hitting on everything pretty current. Um, but yeah, it's good. Yeah. Uh, if, if you didn't check this out, this was like Super Bowl coverage. Basically, they did like 
hours of pregame with all these comedians like recording messages for Chris Rock. Then, you know, the main show was that Chris was, you know, going to talk about the slap and his situation with Will and Jada. And, you know, that was really the hype around it. I think he got like $40 million for this or something like that. And then the after show was hosted by Dana Carvey and David Spade with like, you know, JV Smooth and like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like it was a little bit of a weird uh, group. But um, I just found this, you know, I, I got to watch uh, some of the special and then obviously SNL was on. So I uh, couldn't really do full coverage of that. But basically, I really felt, Eric, and I touched on this right at the end of the roundtable on Monday, but I really felt that this is the best thing that could have possibly happened for the future of SNL, that, you know, streaming services are trying to get into the live comedy game. Because if, you know, people are not interested in traditional television anymore and are willing to get together to watch either on Netflix or Peacock, whatever the future of SNL is, I could imagine, you know, the, you know, there being live sketch comedy on these streaming platforms, whether it's post SNL 50 or not. Uh, this is this is very exciting. So what, what do you think of that? Yeah, that'd be great. Um, even if it's competition, that's good. It's important for people to see, you know hey, live sketch comedy is really hard. Uh, and SNL is the only thing that does it. So, um, you know, let's, let's, let's watch something else to, to put it in perspective. Um, and then also just the, anytime we can bring people into, um, you know, a, a setting like watching something live at 1130, that's comedy and not, you know, a sport. Um, is good because they're going to diversify. Um, they might come in for something that's not SNL, but they might realize that they like SNL. So I think it's good from that perspective too. Yeah, I uh, I have to imagine the executives at NBC and Peacock were keeping an eye on this because mm -hmm. you know if you're worried about you know the budget and how it's going to work with you know putting on a show like SNL years down the road, maybe post Lauren. Um, I think these are exciting options to perhaps reinvent the way that they do the show while keeping all the traditions. So uh, th this could this could be fun. Let's keep an eye out if if uh, Netflix continues to do this. What the next special is? I think there's going to be a lot more. We're going to talk about this over the next couple of years. Yeah. Okay. Um, up next, we get a question from Haley. Haley says, "Eric, do you think that Chase Stokes from Netflix's Outer Banks will host soon?" I saw that he was backstage last week with Kelsey Ballerini, and he was on Fallon recently. So I was curious to get your thoughts. You watch Outer Banks, Eric? I do not. Um, I live in North Carolina, which is where the Outer Banks is. Um, I've never been to the Outer Banks and I've never watched Outer Banks. So I'm, I'm sorry, I, I cannot answer this question very well. Okay, the Outer Banks is a real place. I just, sorry, I'm like, yeah, this it, is it sure is. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's like this, uh, the coast of North Carolina, you know, is along the Atlantic. And then there's this um, sort of, there's banks that are on the outer end of the coast. So there's like the inner coast and there's the outer coast and it's the Outer Banks. But, uh, being from being from Florida, I don't go to beaches that are in North Carolina. So, um. okay, got it. Well, uh, yeah, I did see probably I think it was the first three episodes of the first season of Outer Banks. Um, my girlfriend and I were trying to find something to watch, and like it was like very much promoted on the top of Netflix to like check it out. And I think it was uh, it was okay. Like it was sort of like a treasure hunt style show that's sort of like mixed with uh, a teen drama 
like something like you would see like with the OC or Gossip Girl or Dawson's Creek or 90210, like that type of thing. Um, and it was good and and you know, for a few episodes. And I think like a lot of younger people like love the actors on there. Chase Stokes is extremely pop- popular, uh, Madeline Klein as well. And Chase Stokes is dating Kelsey Ballerini, who was a musical mm-hmm. guest on the show last week. So obviously there is that connection there. I do think there is the potential to potentially have Chase Stokes host Haley, though in the past, unless I'm forgetting, I don't think like SNL tends to bring on people from teen dramas that much as hosts. Um, you know, like I can't remember like a host from there was nobody from the OC, nobody from One Tree Hill. Um, did I, I do they have somebody from Dawson's Creek? Maybe the chat would know, but like I, I really don't think like this is an area of television that Saturday Night Live tends to target typically. So. Uh, it would be interesting, and I wouldn't mind seeing it, but I don't know that uh, it's one that they've used in the past. Okay, yeah, Ken says uh, Dawson's Creek was the last in the Party of Five, so it's been a long time. Hmm. Who was on from Party of Five? Uh, who was on from Party of Five? Let's look that I up. I know Matthew so, Fox was on, but I think that was for Lost. Uh, yeah, was Scott Wolf? Did he uh, host the show? Yeah, Scott Wolf okay. was, was there from Party of Five. Uh, Nev Campbell who, uh, speaking of the Scream movie, um, also hosted the show. So, yeah, we actually had a lot of people from Party of Five. Uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt also. Um, yeah, that, that show was, uh, was crazy. Um, so that, that was really, like, the one. But Party of Five um, aired on Fox and it was pre- from 1994 to 2000. So that's a long time ago. And then from Dawson's Creek, we obviously uh, did have – um, we had James Vanderbeek uh, on there and Katie Holmes. So like those were, you know, the last ones. And Joshua Jackson hosts the show. Yeah, Joshua Jackson as well. So those are like the last two that they really like went in on. Uh, Ellis says no euphoria year. Um, so um, yeah, it's, it's interesting that they like, this was such a an area to go and get SNL hosts like 20 years ago or 25 years ago. And now like nothing. Yeah, I think you could argue um, Jenna Ortega though might fill that role like like i know wednesday is a little broader than teen drama but it definitely has those elements Mm. um i feel like yeah i I don't know i feel like jenna ortega like plays so young yeah i feel like it's like a different like like she has like 40 million instagram followers i think that's like the most of like any host this season like she's (laughs) extremely popular i feel like she's like uh i wouldn't necessarily think of jenna ortega and be like okay you're like the teen drama girl you know Sure. Yeah. But it's an interesting thought. So I wonder I wonder if we ever get somebody from uh that genre of television again and then it would be fun to to look back and talk about. Yeah. Uh speaking of Jenna Ortega and Disney stars, Victor Higgins wants to know what Disney Channel star would you like to see host? Uh I'm a little behind on my my Disney stars uh currently. Um but uh let's Let's take it back to uh, Hillary Duff. Hillary Duff has uh, "How I Met Your Father" out right now. I think it's season two or something. So let's bring let's bring her in. I don't think um, I don't think they've had anyone from that early Disney era host. I guess my like Nick Scorto. Jonas maybe. I think that was a little later though. I don't know. I'm thinking like early 2000s. Uh, oh yes, yeah, yeah, that's true. When I was yeah. watching it, so um, yeah, let's bring in Hillary Duff. Yeah, that would definitely be my pick as well when I was thinking about uh, 
you know, I actually, I got to catch like a little bit of how I was a big, how I met your mother person. And then like the finale just like destroyed me. Um, but then I started to catch like a little bit of how I met your father and it's like a little cheesy, but, uh, Hillary Duff is like really, really good, um, in that show. So I would love that. And I think that she's probably the right pick. Um, but yeah, there's, there has been obviously like Selena and Miley, uh, Nick Jonas, and then, um, Demi Lovato was a musical guest, like all that crew had done it and then of course like back into the mickey mouse club days um with like justin and Brittany and all those people so uh would be uh would be interesting but yeah obviously jenna ortega uh from from disney are you excited for jenna this week uh yeah i'm really excited um i loved her on wednesday um i i first heard of her in season two of you um she plays uh a teenager on that show and she was like amazing and then um completely forgot about her because i forgot about that show um, and then when her name kept coming up for Wednesday, I was like, how do I know this person? Like, who, who is this? And I realized it was from you. So yeah, I'm really excited for Jenna. I think she's going to be, um, uh, I would predict she's going to be the best of, of this run of three, but that's just, that's just me. I, I think she doesn't have, like, I mean, Travis was good. I think she has like the potential to like blow this one out of the water. I'm, yeah. I'm really excited for her. And I think, like, um, also, let, let alone the fact, like, you know, we talk about Wednesday, but the fact that Scream is coming out on Friday, too, and, like, there's also the added element. We talked about, like, Bowen is the killer, but, like, there's an added element here of, like, things they can do with the um, serial killer genre. I think this could be a really yeah. fun episode of <laughs> SNL, so... Um, yeah. I'm excited for it. Uh, speaking of Jenna Ortega, Dylan Reed asks us, what are your ratings predictions for the Jenna Ortega episode, better or worse than last week? So you're a numbers guy, Eric. What are your ratings <laughs> predictions? Yeah, I, I meant to look at the Nielsen ratings before the episode, but I, it, it slipped my mind. But I think she's going to, I think she'll have the highest ratings um, uh, of, of at least this run of three that we've had. Um, I don't know if I think Aubrey Plaza has actually been the highest so far, um, at least in 2023. Um, and you know, she had the advantage of it being the first show back, which always helps. But, uh, I, yeah, I think Jenna, you know, I think that it'll be the best episode and I think it'll have the highest ratings. Yeah. I think this is going to be a, a, like a lot of eyeballs on the show this weekend. Yeah. I, I was already told like, first of all, the 1975 hugely popular already. Um, let alone the fact that Jenna Ortega is hosting the show. And I think like the lineup for standby to get in this week, I think is going to be the craziest line of the entire season for people to try and get in for this show. It is a like a hot ticket to get in for the Jenna Ortega 1975 week. And I think that the ratings are going to be really high. So is it possible at all? And I know that like SNL never likes to admit it or say it. But is it possible at all that there was a couple things that were saved for this week in terms of material? I think so. I think like mm. between the three hosts, Jenna Ortega is so different than Woody or Travis. I think like a lot of ideas that would be better suited for Jenna Ortega could be used this week. Yeah, that's a great point and a, a, a good excuse for some of the stuff we've seen in the last few episodes. So. Yeah. Uh, I also think, I mean, I think, you know, in terms of, I've been talking in terms of like night of viewing, but in terms of YouTube, I'm sure there's going to be some, you know, viral stuff going on, just, you know, given the whole Wednesday Adam dance of it all. Obviously, we had the promo, which featured that, but that might not be the last we hear of it. So um, I think there's going to be some 
crazy numbers we're going to look at this week. Eric, how about you give me like one or two cast members that you think are going to succeed this week with Jenna? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I'd love to see Jenna and Sarah. I think they can weird it up uh, pretty mm. easily. Um, who else? Who else do I see with Jenna? That's a really great call. Yeah. I think this- it's, it's been a while since we've seen Sarah Sherman like really take star of a sketch um probably since the michael b jordan episode yeah so i think having sarah and jenna together could be really really fun i mean it's it's interesting i I, this is a question that mike did on by the numbers i think last season at one point talking about how like the women of snl the cast do with male hosts versus female hosts and then you know vice versa and you know we've seen like the women like heidi chloe ego sarah um you know, really shine on the show with all, like a lot of these male hosts. I think it's I mean, it's been a while really since we've had a, a woman host the show since Aubrey and then before that Kiki. Um, but since, you know, in this last run of like, you know, eight or nine episodes of the show, it's been mostly men hosting the show. So I do think like it'll be an interesting tone flip on some of these sketches to have a woman be in, a woman be in the host role and to see how the men and women of the show end up doing this week. Yeah, I think Marcelo might be good too. I mean, um, I forget if someone said this on Monday, but he, I mean, he's the youngest member of the cast and, you know, Jenna is a young performer. Um, I think that could add a lot. For sure. And I also think like, I wouldn't expect a please don't destroy pre-tape now that we had two in a row with these last two episodes. And then we also had the promo today with please don't destroy dressed up doing the uh, goo goo muck. So I think uh, we wouldn't expect that in the show this week. So that does open up more time for other performers if PDD isn't in the show this yeah. week. All right, Eric, any other overarching thoughts on the season? What's coming up? Anything else you want to say? Uh, no, not not really. It's been a great season, and uh, I'm sure they can keep it up. Um, when you said that there are six episodes left after this Saturday, that kind of blew my mind. Right. Um, but yeah, we're two-thirds of the way done now, I guess. So um, I'm sure they can end strong. For sure. It goes by very quickly in the SNL season when you're going through it on a week to week basis. And uh, before you know it, you're there. And I just, you know, hope that these last seven episodes, we have some really, really fun guests come in and some fun sketches to get to talk about. Can't wait to find out who's going to host in April and then uh, for our last three in May. But I think this has been, uh, if nothing, it's been a very fun season of the show to get to cover Mm -hmm. and talk about with lots of ups and downs and storylines to get to uh, go through. So uh, very thrilled to get to done that a little bit with you tonight, Eric. And uh, our coverage this week is not done because usually we do these shows on Thursday, but tonight uh, it's Mike Murray's birthday. So he had the oh. night off. So he uh, he's out celebrating his birthday. And instead, we moved the show to tomorrow night where he will be live with Victoria Franzo and Kirsten Turnbill to break down all the numbers from the Travis Kelsey and Kelsey Ballerini week, go through the screen time. And then there will be a ton of previewing the Jenna Ortega and the 1975 week of Saturday Night Live. So make sure to join them for that show. And then we will be back on Saturday night for the Hot Take Show right 
right after that episode to break everything down. We'll have a full week of coverage. And then we got some really fun off week shows planned for you, including some SNL stories, a super fan takeover. It's uh, bracket season. So we'll have a fun episode with the super fans coming up near the end of March. And it, it'll be a very fun ride through the end of 48. So uh, chat, I want to thank you for joining us on this Wednesday night. And Eric, thanks for joining us as well. Do you want to tell the listeners where they could find everything you're up to? Uh, yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at SNLytics. Um, been posting uh, nothing lately, but uh, hopefully we'll have some some interesting YouTube stuff uh, come out this week from the Jen Ortega episode. So keep your eyes peeled. Absolutely. Make sure to give Eric a follow and make sure to follow us on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Feel free to leave us a review as well. Always love to see that. All right. For Eric Godding and everybody in the chat on this Wednesday night patron feedback show, my name is John from the Saturday Night Network. We will see you next time, everybody. Have a good one.